0: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 16, and this is your Eagles-Jaguars preview in London. We're not in London. Um, we're, we're doing this, obviously, from—we're doing this stateside. Uh, but uh, I'm John Stolnes, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. I'm a contributor for BleedingGreenNation.com. And uh, joining me, as he does every week for our Eagles preview show, is the man, the myth, the legend, the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon and BLG, how you feeling, buddy? I, I know you're you're feeling a little under the weather this week, pal. So uh, you hanging in there, all right? You getting you getting your your Ricola cough drops and your NyQuil and all that good stuff, buddy?
1: John, I think it's the Eagles' fault. I think we can blame the <laughs> Eagles for making me sick. They're stressing me out way too much. Yeah. Uh, You know, I was I was there at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. I'm in the press box. I'm watching this team. They're up 17-0. I'm thinking, all right, you know, the season's back on track. They just blew out the Giants. Now they're going to beat a quality Panthers team here. Uh, It's going to be a a good win for this team. Four and three, back closer to the NFC's lead. Everything's going well. And no, no, that's not the case. That's not the case. It's not the reality, unfortunately.
0: that, that game last week definitely took a hit to a lot of people's immunity I think mm-hmm. so uh, <laughs> and uh, you're not alone and yeah and I want to b- before we get into the injury report we'll talk about some trade stuff we're gonna get into some of the matchups as well we'll give you our a couple of picks uh, for the uh, the NFL slate on Sunday and then give you our Eagles Jaguars uh, review a little bit but you know you're just talking about kind of how through three quarters in your mind you could kind of see the whole second half of the season mapped out because it really is amazing when you think about the difference between having a 4 and 3 record going into this game against the Jaguars versus a 3 and 4 record because the thing that the Eagles have done is they've blown the easy part of their schedule. Like they still have to play the Rams. They still have to play the Saints. And I know the NFC East is not a juggernaut of a division, but you don't sweep your division. I mean, and especially when you're a team that is as flawed as the Eagles are in a few key spots and you have played as unevenly as the Eagles have had so far this year I highly doubt they're gonna blitz through the NFC East undefeated so what you've essentially done is if you don't win this game on Sunday in London against the Jaguars you fall to three and five if you want to go ten and six at that point what, what what you have to go seven and one <laughs> over your last eight games to finish ten and six? You have to go six and two to even just finish nine and seven mm-hmm. when you've got the toughest part of your schedule. The Eagles have already blown what should have been wins against weaker teams like the Buccaneers blown and blown games that they had in the bag against the Titans and against the Panthers. That's all they've they've wasted those opportunities and now so the the tougher part of the schedule is coming BLG. And they're looking at a scenario where if they don't take care of this Jaguars game on Sunday, they're in real, real
1: trouble. Yeah, and they might already be in real, real trouble. True. Like you're saying. I mean, just looking at the East, uh, Washington is at the top of this division here at, what, four and and two here? Four and two. And Mm -hmm. if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, it's not very hard. I think there's only one team above 500 and that's the texans who i let they're above 500 but they like they're not a good team yeah. I can,
0: in air quotes yeah as we're you know? <laughs> as we're talking
1: and doing this on a thursday night they are locked what's the score here in this game with the dolphins it is is are four right points there. on the dolphins right now at halftime so like they're not they're, <laughs> i know if they win this they'll, they'll one they'll have one five in a row but i still don't think that team is that mm-hmm. great so uh like Washington could easily, you know, go they don't they don't even have to, you know, have this super strong stretch, you know what I mean? As long as they kind of right. just do okay, they could easily just win the division, especially if the Eagles can't get out of their way. Uh, I do want to read something here from Greg Rosenthal okay. at nfl.com because I think this is very true and I think it's something that we don't like to admit. But uh he wrote this up on uh, an article for nfl.com and he uh, says here that there is something unsatisfying and uncomfortable about recognizing what a massive, perhaps dominant role randomness plays every NFL Sunday in determining the latest standings. It's as if we want this sport that we invest so much time into make more sense than it really does to apply some order after the fact where it doesn't. I choose to embrace the chaos, except that many teams are roughly equal and try to separate the trends with staying power from the things we can't possibly know ahead of time, which is most everything. So the point of me reading that is that it's tough. I think the ULs are just in the spot where like things have been so close and it, it, sometimes you're just unlucky. Like I know that's not fun to talk yeah. about, especially like sure. on a podcast here because you're like, or, or just the, the culture we live in of takes where, you know, someone has to be to blame if you lose. And you know, I get it. And there's truth to that. But at the same time, sometimes, like, shit happens. Like, that's just – that's not like a very yeah, no, right, fun right, thing right, right. to say. But it's just true. And I think that's kind of – I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that solely explains the Eagles' problems because there are very real issues. But I think that's part of it. I think that goes into it. And we talked about it, John, I think many times at this point where – Last year, the Eagles just had a lot of things going for them, and that's Absolutely. that's not to say it was a fluke. It's just like because ev- every team is going to have some things going for them at some point. It's just with everything the way it's going, and I'm not giving up on the season. I'm not. I, I still have hope, but it just with how it's trending, you just get the sense that man, this doesn't feel like this team's year. Like last year felt like this team's year. This year just it doesn't feel like that right now.
0: Well, when you have this many things going wrong, like injuries, you can't control injuries. Injuries are part of the luck factor that you're talking about. A couple of those injuries were because of the, how long the season went last year. But a lot of the injuries that they're dealing with now have nothing to do with that. It's just it's just bad luck. Look at the, the fourth and ten play that the Eagles gave up to the Panthers uh, on the Torrey Smith reception. Yeah. It was a Jalen Mills. He just yeah, fell down.
1: And the defensive and line just, got yeah. to Cam. Like, <laughs> like
0: right, it's, yeah. just, it's just I mean, inches. The, they they had the right they had that I think Jim Schwartz had the a, a good defensive call there and the defense was one play away and last year they make that play yeah when the defense is one play away from getting off the field they make the play I wanted to talk about turnovers a little bit later on in the podcast but turnovers a lot of turnovers is luck we talked about that a couple of weeks ago you you fumble a few different times and. Sometimes the ball bounces into your offensive lineman's arms when Carson Wentz fumbles. Sometimes it bounces in the opposite direction towards the defensive lineman. You know, when you with interceptions, sometimes you're you're a step and a half too a half a step too late. Or you know, you just the ball goes right through your hands when when you should have hauled it in. Uh a Jake Elliott uh field mm-hmm. goal goes just barely wide right because because a wind gust takes it away. These are all things that, yes, you if you have a lot of depth on your team like the Eagles had last year, you can overcome some of the bad luck. And losing your stud quarterback, the MVP of the league, with three weeks to go in the season is about as unlucky as you can get. And the Eagles overcame it. But that doesn't mean that they also didn't get great fortune in Nick Foles <laughs> playing out of his mind down the stretch.
1: For sure. Um, just, yeah. And like, when I say that again, it's not like to, it's not like, oh, they were just lucky. And I'm like trying to take away from the credit again, every team, every team that wins a championship in pretty much any sport for the most part, maybe not like, you know, the warriors and like a dynasty team like that, but just in general yeah and i think in the nfl especially has to get lucky they just have to like that's it takes some they luck do. it takes being good like it's a combination of things it's not simple as the best team wins every year in the nfl it's just right. that's not how it right. works like it's just not the how it's it's not how it's set up to work like honestly part of what we love about the nfl so much in general as as nfl fans is that there's such great parity like that to me that's part of what makes it so fun because every year in theory Unless, like, you've been the Browns for the past so many years. And, and for the most <laughs> right. part, you know, teams have a chance to win every single year. It's not like I know there's the Patriots and they're dominant and they contend every year, but for the most part, like, a lot of teams, you know, have a chance. They have, even if they don't win it, I'm saying, like, they, you can at least see, like, okay, they have a path here for it. It's not like the, the yeah. NBA where it's yeah. just like, okay, this team has zero chance to even get to the playoffs or, or make it out of the first round. It's just not like that. So um, I, I think that's something to keep in mind here is this like – and it's not this great failure f- for – I think that's something that kind of gets lost in the losing here. I, I kept thinking about that on – Sunday, like it's obviously a failure, they lost the game, it's very disappointing. But in the context of expectations as a whole, it's not easy to repeat as Super Bowl champions. There's a reason nobody does it, like this has happened once in the salary cap era. And then, forget that for a second, there hasn't been a repeat NFC East winner since 2004. Like, even that isn't easy, it's very hard to do. Like, it's not just so I don't think it should be held against the Eagles in this way where like, oh, they're just blowing this golden opportunity to get another Super Bowl. Like, No, it's not like that. It's not, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. And I think it's important to have that perspective when you think about what's going on. I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset or frustrated. I'm just saying like, you can't look at this like, oh, this is just so simple to win. They're not doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally hear what you're saying. I totally agree with that. And you know, it's a, one season is different from the other. I, I remember the Patriots uh, season after their first Super Bowl win against the Rams. They didn't make the playoffs that year, but then they went to the Super Bowl the two following years after that and won three out of four. You know, sometimes you, they're just you, you get a season where it doesn't work out for you or you're you've got the hangover. I mean, we haven't talked a lot about the hangover, but, you know, maybe the hangover is a real thing and um, we'll see, you know, if they can shake it here over the second half of the season. They This team still is talented, BLG, and like you mentioned, if they hadn't blown two fourth quarter leads over the first uh, seven weeks of the season here, they'd be five and two right now, and we'd be singing a much different tune, and so that's what makes this game on Sunday in London that much more important against the Jaguars, because they have to get to four and four in order to give themselves, I think, a real shot at getting back into the playoffs here uh, at the end of the season, and this will be the Eagles' first ever game overseas, regular season game overseas. Uh the last time they played in London was in a preseason game back in 1991 against the Bills. I remember a preseason game in '89, BLG, and this tells you I'm old. But uh, <laughs> th- a preseason game against the Browns, Uh it's I know it as the Gizmo Williams game. I don't. Do you know who Gizmo Williams was?
1: No idea, but I love the okay. name.
0: Okay, he was this little guy that sounds had like all, it. all kind, yeah, a little guy named Gizmo. He's named after one of the um uh oh, the little the little creatures from the '80s movie Gremlins. He was. He was named after the Gremlin, the character Gizmo, because he kind of he kind of looked like Gizmo from mm-hmm. the Gremlins a little bit. And he was a fast, uh, super speedy, mostly a kick returner type guy from the CFL that the Eagles signed as a free agent. And he was kind of an interesting guy. He was a uh, kind of fascinating. Fans really loved him. And in that preseason game, he caught a touchdown pass from Syracuse's QB Don McPherson, who was getting some second string reps for the Eagles. Uh, in the 1989 preseason after the catch Williams did like a a forward leap in the air like Ozzie Smith used to do I think we've seen some NFL players do after he after he caught a touchdown in the preseason game and after this is Buddy Ryan after the game Buddy Ryan said he's got to learn to play NFL football he can get away with that in Canada the jury is still out on Gizmo Williams he was not (laughs) impressed with Gizmo um, and, uh, but I, I remember that distinctly that the lead up to that game, because that was the first time the Eagles had ever played in London. It was at Wembley stadium. It was a really big deal at the time. The NFL wasn't playing regular season games over there. Um, I remember Jerome Brown in was like, was like messing around with, uh, with, with British soldiers wearing their hats and stuff like that, mm-hmm. or British police wear. It was, it was actually kind of fun. And now, This is a situation where the Eagles are going into London playing against the Jaguars team that plays there every single year, BLG, and the Jags have won it three years in a row in London. Is that an advantage for Jacksonville coming into this game? And if it is, how big of an advantage do you think that is?
1: I definitely think it's significant just having that experience of the whole travel and what to expect and... And, you know, this is our routine when we go over there. This is the hotel we go to. This is what time we should go to bed. Like, they they have this down. You know, it's a system, yeah. and, and they've played well. I think they're averaging, what, like 34 points in their last mm-hmm. uh, three or so. In, yeah, their last three games in London here. So, they've, they've clearly had success over there. You look at Blake Bortles, who was just benched last week in right. favor of Cody Kessler. Uh, London Bortles is a real thing. He is he has eight touchdowns to just one interception in his last three London starts. I don't know if that's just coincidence or what, but I mean he's played well by over fish there. And
0: chips, man. Powered by <laughs> <fish and chips.
1: laughs> maybe. Uh, so it's kind of curious to me, or, or maybe not curious is the right word, but kind of uh not great to me that, that yeah. Malcolm Jenkins is uh calling him out in a way this week when yeah. he, he you yeah. know he had brought up that uh the reason why. There's evidence that Kaepernick is being blackballed. I mean, look at our, our, our week eight opponent. And like, I know Malcolm's main point there wasn't to take a shot at Blake Portals. Like, that wasn't the goal of his comments. He was, you know, talking more about Kaepernick. But yeah. still, man, like, it's just don't give this team more bulletin board material, especially like when you're three and four and you just lost. Like, don't it's don't say well, that because this gonna make I think-
0: Malcolm was all wrapped up in that Eric Reed thing still, and I right. think he's trying. I think he's trying to get back on the good side of of those guys. And yeah, he he definitely stepped in it by doing that.
1: Yeah, because I mean, like, because what's the upside here? The best case is Bortles does play bad and the Eagles win, and no one, you know, like oh Malcolm Jenkins was right, and that's it. But like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he if, man, if Blake Bortles torches the secondary, like Malcolm is not going to hear that. He's like he's not going to. Stop hearing that for the rest of the season. So
0: No, I hear you. And so it's, it's definitely we'll see what kind of Blake Bortles we get. And we'll get into Blake here in just a second uh, because he definitely has had an interesting week. And we'll get into all that here in just a few minutes when we get to the matchups. First, let's knock out the injury report here, BLG. Um, we know that linebacker Nathan Gary, Sidney Jones, cornerback, uh, the slot corner, and Darren Sproles once again have been declared out for the game. They are not traveling with the team. Uh, Corey Graham did not practice with the team on Thursday, but he is going to make the trip. Of course, you know, Corey Graham is no great shakes, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it's it certainly is um, an issue. Some of these uh, some of these injuries. And of course, we we haven't gotten a chance, you and I, at least to talk about Derek Barnett now going on IR for the season. Uh, We're going to see more of Josh Sweat on Sunday. So um, talk a little bit about Derek Barnett. I mean, he really has. He was third on the team in sacks with two and a half sacks, but his greatest value came in the run game. And I guess, BLG, if there was any one spot on the defense, really even on the team, where they could absorb a loss like this, it is on the defensive line, right?
1: I mean, in theory, just because, you know, the Eagles have a lot of quality defensive ends here, but it's not ideal because not only are you losing a good second year player who... I think, you know, Derek Barnett, really young, 22 years old, and really projecting upward. I know he hasn't been this dominant pass rusher yet, but you've liked what you've seen basically in every other aspect of his game besides that, which is good to see. And it losing him, it's not just about like, not him not being on the field. It's the, the butterfly, the, the domino effect of everything that happens after that. I mean, now the Eagles are counting on Michael Bennett and Brandon Graham and Chris Long and Josh Sweat and specifically Sweat, who had only played uh, 15 snaps, I believe, defensive snaps before this week, to suddenly have these bigger roles. And that kind of potentially limits their effectiveness because part of what makes the rotation so great is they're they're able to rotate these guys and manage their snap counts, and now they're not going to be able to do that as much. I don't think they trust Sweat fully to kind of just throw him and put him in there as a role that was previously being held by Chris Long, you know, or whoever was at the bottom of the rotation there. I, I, I think he's going to play a little bit sparingly in contra in you know, comparison to, to Barnett and the previous system. So that's unfortunate. And already like you're, you're, you're so thin at defensive tackle and you're counting on Brandon Graham and Michael Bennett to take some snaps in there. And now you lose a, a, a starting defensive end, which stretches you out thinner out there so it's, it's not ideal, and we'll see if Haloti Nata plays this week. He traveled with the team as well. Uh, he is, he's is he been limited in practice. He was also limited all last week, and he didn't play, so maybe there's a chance he plays there. Um, Corey Graham switching back to this, the secondary there. I don't think he plays considering he didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday, but he traveled, so maybe there's an outside mm-hmm. chance. Uh, he's suddenly feeling better, and he does play. But uh, across the board, this team is just really banged up. Um, like I said, Nada might be back this week. DJ Alexander helps your linebacker depth and on special teams. Maybe you get him back. He's been limited in practice. Um, but also the Jaguars are very banged up as well. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's not just the Eagles. Um you're looking at AJ Bouye. It did not practice and won't travel. Uh that's you know, obviously one of their starting their starting corner opposite of Jalen Ramsey. So mm-hmm. that's a big loss. And yeah. it's not just him. You look at DJ Hayden, who did travel but hasn't practiced this week and has been out for a couple of weeks now with a toe issue, and Tyler Patman, who is DJ Hayden's backup there in the slot. So, I mean, the Jaguars could potentially be without those three guys. That's significant. I think the rest of their the rest of their guys there in that secondary are like rookies and like undrafted agents. Not a lot of experience outside of Jalen Ramsey. So you can almost like just not have to i'm pretty sure you can kind of just work around jalen ramsey basically like it's not like you have to uh test him out and throw his way a ton in this game but uh it's it's not ideal both of these teams are banged up you know it's week eight you're gonna have all these injuries Uh, another issue is that starting tight end james o'shaughnessy was downgraded to not practicing today after being limited on wednesday and Jacksonville's already without their two top tight ends. So so they might be without yeah. their top three tight ends. So there's a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball here. Um that's definitely, you know, a big factor this week.
0: Well, and, and running back Leonard Fournette may not play.
1: Yeah, he's out. Well. He's, he's definitely he's out. Yeah. He's definitely out. Okay, yeah, because yeah,
0: he's got a hamstring thing going on. So yeah, no, the, the Jags are as banged. And the, really the Jaguars are in almost the exact same position the Eagles are right now. They're at three and four, and they made it to the AFC championship game last year. They came into the season thinking that they were going to dominate the AFC South, and the Texans obviously are having now now are having something to say about it now that they've gone on a little bit of a winning streak here. Um, but uh, you know, the Jags came into the season thinking that you know maybe Blake Bortles had uh, had taken a little bit of a, a step forward, <laughs> and now they're they're well we'll get to Blake in just a second. I'm licking my chops too, man. Um, but uh, you know, they they at three and four, their season is kind of on the line too here um, in uh, in London as well. Um, but before we get into the to the game, let's just I, I want to just kind of tackle some of the trade stuff and really what this game means for the trade stuff, BLG, because, as you know, I wrote a piece for bleeding dot com uh, echoing what I think a lot of people are feeling is that right now, this this 2018 season doesn't really feel like an all in season at this point. You know, we were talking about. Adding Le'Veon Bell for a second-round pick a couple of weeks ago, and or adding some guys who may be under contract next year, but are getting up there, getting up there in age, like a LeSean McCoy mm-hmm. or something like that, where you would be expending some pretty significant capital in the 2019 draft to get a guy who may really only help you here in the 2018 season. And at three and four, you could still make the argument maybe for for some of these guys, for some of the names that are out there on the trade block, but. You know, if if you're not getting someone who can help you, who's not on the youngish side and can help you next year and the year after, in addition to this year, there's no way the Eagles should be giving up prime trade capital for the 2019 draft for moves that are only going to help here in 2018. What do you think?
1: Completely agree. I mean, you just, these picks that the Eagles have are more valuable arguably than they've ever been because Carson Wentz is going to be due for this big extension. Uh, He'll be eligible. The Eagles necessarily don't have to give it to him because he has that fifth-year option. They could wait. Although I think, you know, waiting is kind of silly because the price is potentially only going to go up. So uh, the Eagles are in a a tight cap situation, obviously moving forward. Um, You feel good about them navigating that, of course, because Howie Rosen always finds a way to do that. But still, I mean, I think the draft picks are going to be a big part of that moving forward. You you need that cheap, inexpensive team controlled talent there, as opposed to you know acquiring someone at the deadline who has this big cap hit, and so not only you're taking on that money, but then you're giving away something that could save you money in the future. So it's you have to consider both things there. I still think the Eagles probably. I don't think how wants to give up anything more than say like a fourth round pick at the deadline here. I think anything too much higher than that isn't like, it's, it's probably too rich for his blood unless it's like a no brainer. Like if do you're you trading, think,
0: do you think he offered a second rounder for Amari Cooper, which was the rumor?
1: <clears throat> um, I, th- <sighs> I think there's some credence to that. I mean, it's not impossible to imagine just because they have the two seconds next year. Yeah. And Amari Cooper is only like what, like twenty four years old? Yeah, he's young. And they could easily feel like this guy, you know, has a a good trajectory and maybe they were super high on him coming out of the draft. So I think that's I think that's possible. Uh I you know, I'm a little hesitant just because, you know, Mike Silver, questionable, maybe track record a little (laughs) bit there. And um and it's just it's very rich for to acquire a player like that who is going to have like a thirteen point nine million cap it next year uh, mm-hmm. on his fifth year option so they would pretty much have to extend him too so I think it's possible I'm not going to rule it out but um yeah so I, I don't think they're trying to make this big splash in terms of I just don't think they want to give that up again I think it's more of like what we saw last year where you're trying to buy on someone who. Potentially is on their rookie deal with like two more years left, including this year and next year. So you kind of have that extra year of talent there uh, like they did with Ajayi, someone who can help in 2017 and 18. That was their goal, or at least that's what worked out for them. It wasn't just this short-term trade. I I definitely think we can rule anyone out who is, you know, not under contract through next year, unless it's just like a clear rental for cheap. You know, if it's like a seventh-round pick and you're getting a guy – or if it's just a total flyer, uh, then, you know, I see that. But I just don't think they're giving up anything significant at this point. And I don't think they should. I think they should they yeah. should keep the picks. If there's good value to be had out there, like if you're trading a third-round pick for Patrick Peterson, which isn't going to happen, but I'm saying, like, if there's right. some no-brainer value out there, go right. and get it, even if like, it might be expensive cap-wise. Uh, but otherwise, I just think, you know, how are we probably going to sit back here and kind of just make some kind of – not super exciting trade.
0: So I wonder if like the strategy changes if the Eagles win and they move to four and four, whether or not they get more aggressive and go after, you know, these guys aren't on, on, on their aren't on their rookie deals, but like Demarius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders or a wide mm. receiver like that, guys are still productive. I mean, you look at the numbers; Sanders is having a great year. But what would it take to get a guy like that? He is under team control for for next year, and if he's still being productive, I think he's under team control for an additional two years after this year. I don't remember exactly. I, re- I looked it up earlier this week and now I I'm looked it up
1: to... here. yeah, I,
0: but a guy like that. I mean, you know you're talking about guys on the rookie deals like like with a giant and that would obviously be the smarter thing, but
1: Jen that... yeah
0: okay, so okay, just one more so so I wonder if like the calculus for Roseman changes if they win versus if they lose. I mean, obviously if they lose this team might even turn into somewhat of a seller. I think they, hmm. and it's kind of interesting using these words for the NFL trade deadline. Usually these yeah. words are only reserved for the Major League Baseball trade deadline. But, you know, I do think that if the Eagles lose, I think they make a harder push to try and trade Nick Foles in the week leading oh, up to the trade deadline. <laughs> because if you're three and five and the odds are now really stacked against you to to make the playoffs, I mean, I, I don't know what they're, playoff odds would fall to but I gotta imagine it'd be in the 10 percent range maybe even less than 10 percent yeah why not at that point try to see what you can get for Nick Foles to to a team that is on is you know really involved in the playoff push has a great shot to make the postseason, but may not like the guy that they have but starting a quarterback Jaguars (laughs) you know what that's not crazy right
1: uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe the Eagles should lose on purpose just to. to no, <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but um, oh, poor Nick. But I mean, there's like I think the the frustration with that has picked up a little bit more steam in the quote mainstream media. I see, you know, our good friend Joe Giulio at WIP, uh, also mm-hmm. Jack Fritz producing that show, uh, talking a lot recently about how Nick Foles, you know, like keeping him at a thirteen point nine or or either 14.3, whatever his cap it is this year, uh, biggest on the team outside of Fletcher Cox uh, is not like the best use of resources. And I know people will be like, oh, you know, you got to be loyal. He won the Super Bowl. Okay, that's fine. But then you can't get mad. Like you can't get as mad when the team is losing because they didn't do everything they could to maximize this roster, in my opinion. When you're spending you're that right. much money on a backup, uh, like look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I'm, I don't know if the Eagles could get him. That's not exactly my point, but I'm just saying like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, is playing very well and he's making, he has a 3.3 million cap hit. Like you're paying like oh, 11 million more for that, for a guy who, you know, is your backup and played two games this year and did not play very well in those two games. Uh, You went one and one and you know, the stats weren't pretty. So it's not like you paid all this money and he put up these great performances Uh, And if you're paying for past production, I mean, like, again, I I get it in the sense of uh, there's some emotional intelligence involved there. But overall, like, when you look at the harsh reality of of winning this year, like you need to make some of those sacrifices. And it's not going to be easy. You can't just like pick and choose where you want to make sacrifices. Like it doesn't work like that. You have to. It's a cold cut. It's a cold. I don't think cold cut business works well. I mean, there might be deli meats and stuff involved. Some turkey, but some ham. That's not what yeah, I, I meant to say. It's it's no, a cold <laughs> it's a cold business. So uh, yeah, I think yeah. you know, and I think to a bigger point on that, there is that you know everyone's getting mad at Jim Schwartz or how um Doug Peterson, Jalen Mills, even Carson Wentz because of the end of the game thing not a lot of people getting mad at Howie Roseman. And I think that's kind of miss a little, uh, he's getting off a little easy here with that because you look at how he pressed all the right buttons last year with with Chris Long and Patrick Robinson and Garrett Plunt and all the guys he added. And he deserves a ton of credit for that. But this year, it's not working out. Like, what, what has he done? What has Howie Roseman really done here to make this team great or really good for 2018? And, you know, like the Michael Bennett trade was great. But I think that's it. <laughs> I think it's just that. And yeah. maybe the Dallas Goddard pick because, you know, he looks promising. Um, maybe Avante Maddox, although, I, you know, I think he's, just, he's probably just fine for what you're getting there. And I look at the, the, the 2017 draft class and something like Barnett's hurt. Oh and um, uh, who else is hurt? Matt Collins is hurt. So some of it's injury. And that's not necessarily like they were injury-prone guys heading into the draft. But like you're getting nothing out of that class right now because Barnett is hurt. Sidney Jones, that is something that you can blame for, the injury thing, because he has this track record of being hurt. Um, Roswell Douglas cannot even get on the field even though there is clearly need for improved cornerback play and Dexter McDougal is coming in off the street and basically playing the whole game at nickel while Douglas can't get on the field. Uh, Hollins is out due to an injury. Donald Pumphrey is back on the practice squad and still hasn't played an NFL snap and may never, who knows. Uh, Right. Fifth round was Shelton Gibson, who, like, he can't get on the field, even though you need desperately need help as a deep threat. And in theory, he could provide that. But for whatever reason, the coaching staff clearly doesn't trust him. Nate Gary is hurt uh, and is nothing really more than a backup special teams player anyway. And then uh, Elijah Kwall is not even on the team. And Corey Clement, if you want to loop him in there, since he was undrafted free agent signing, I mean, he hasn't really given this team what we expected this year. And maybe it's because he's hurt. I mean, gosh, that guy had eight attempts for six yards on Sunday, and he fumbled one time. Yeah. So, like, yeah. So you're not yeah. getting enough. He's,
0: he's got to still be hurting. He, he's got to. You be hope
1: hurting. so because if not, that's yeah. really concerning. And I love Corey. I'm not like well, I'm not a Corey hater by any means, but that's you know that's not good enough. And specifically well, with Pumphrey yeah. and Clement, like. Man, this team needs help at running back right now. And you're not getting you're not getting good production. And you had those those things that looked like they might be something, or at least you would hope they would be, and just getting nothing.
0: Yeah, that's where having an extra second round pick in the draft next year would be really nice to spend one of those on a young running back that you can kind of build around. Because you don't want to spend a first rounder on a running back, but you know, if you can if you can use one of your two second rounders to to get it back like that, you know, that's I think that's kind of the area if you want kind of a, a high upside running back, but you know, you don't want to, you don't want to spend a first or second round pick. Hey, you got an extra second rounder. Maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's a good spot to do that. So, um, cause right now there isn't one that you can look at and say, man, that, that's, that's a guy I can see being here for a long while. maybe Clement will still be that guy, but obviously the injuries have taken a toll on him so far this year. Um, I did want to ask you this real quick before we get into the matchups. And I know we're about a half hour into this podcast and we, we haven't broken down the game a whole lot just yet, but I had to ask you for those of you who, who didn't listen to uh, the Kiston Solak show uh, this week, uh, Ben had a fiery hot take that I wanted to talk to you about. And he was saying that if the giants are in full on sell mode, that the Eagles should be calling (laughs) about Odell Beckham jr. And I believe me, the talent would be amazing having that guy on the roster would be amazing but in my mind blg and you correct me if i'm wrong if i'm reading the if i'm reading the room wrong here aside from the cash that he has owed which is substantial and and the cap space ramifications that go along with that you mentioned they're going to have to pay carson wentz here coming up pretty soon how many first rounders would the eagles have to give up for that guy you know it's it's not just that you'd have to pay him a lot of money i can't even begin to think about the prospect capital, the, the draft pick capital that you would have to give up for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't see it happening. Um, the only reason I could see it happening is if they're just like, we're just done. We're done with the drama here for a cost lower than expected. Like that's the only way it would, it would happen. Um, which I don't think is likely. Um, I mean, they just signed them, you know, they, they made that commitment, but it, I mean, yeah, it would be, it would right. be significant. It would right. have to be at least, at least one first, if not more. So, uh, it would be great to have a a, a player, yeah, of that than one first, uh, guy of that player's caliber, but I also in keeping with my brand and being like, I don't want that personality on my team. <laughs> I'll just pass. Yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. And so now we move on. Let's talk about this uh, this Jaguars game, and uh, we broke down the injury report just a second uh, just a second ago. And you know, we've seen both sides of the ball uh, suffer here over these last few weeks, especially in that game on Sunday uh, against the Panthers that they blew. Obviously, the defense allowing 21 fourth-quarter points was bad. Um, It's the second time this year uh, they've blown a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter the defense has, but the defense was also pitching a shutout going into that fourth quarter. And as we mentioned, some of the plays there on those final two drives came due to some bad luck. Uh, It was a lot of bad play mixed in there as well. Um, But again, you had the offense, which is in a real rut, and they're still not putting points on the board. 22 points a game, which is six point fewer than through seven games last year. They've scored more than 23 points just once this year. That was the Giants game. Last year, they scored 28.5 points a game. I mean, this is an offensive first league, and the offense is just not putting points on the board. And BLG, I, I think all of these different things are all kind of meshed together. Like, we talk about, the Eagles don't get enough turnovers. I think, what do they have as far as turnovers go? Like takeaways? They have,
1: yeah, they're... they're Yeah, they're, um, six
0: takeaways. Yeah, they're
1: like, uh, I think, 27th, tied for 27th.
0: Right, right. Last year, they had 31 takeaways at this point. This year, they have six takeaways. Mm. And it seems as though, because they haven't been getting many takeaways, they have had long fields yeah. virtually every time they come on the field. I think they have the third worst starting field position in football. And so what and because the Eagles aren't getting the ball downfield, they don't have the big play ability. For whatever reason, they're not using Nelson Aguilar as a field stretcher. They're they're running him on jet sweeps, it seems like every other play, and and just and getting him the ball at the line of scrimmage and saying, All right, we're gonna want you to make some guys miss here. Something he can do, but it's not his ideal usage. You know, you're you're basically you basically have this offense where it's a high completion percentage offense where again, you're just getting little chunks here and there. You Maybe you break off a 15 or a 20-yarder to Zach Ertz or Alshon Jeffrey once in a while, but for the most part, like we saw against the Panthers last week, we're looking at 10-play drives, 12-play drives, 15-play drives that are eating up a lot of clock. You don't score a lot of points when that's how you're moving the football. You're only going to score 17 to 21 points a game when you when you have that few possessions. So, I think all of these things kind of feed into each other, BLG. And when we look at the offense not scoring a whole lot of points, they would benefit greatly by this defense getting some turnovers. And again, some of that has to do with luck. That's kind of a big rant there. I kind of went around a full start. I talked offense, defense, whatever, <laughs> all at once there. But as far as diagnosing this team right now, what needs to happen for this offense to get going?
1: Yeah, I mean the Eagles rank last in touchdown passes longer than 15 yards. <laughs> That's a problem. They can't. That's not good. They there's no explosive element really to this offense. That's not to say the offense totally lacks quality players. I mean, you know, Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey are guys who are really good at moving the chains, and both of those guys have been great this season. But. There's no one who's giving you that big play element, and that's that's a big issue. And it's really unfortunate that both Mike Wallace and Mac Hollins are down because I think having at least one of those guys helps significantly with that issue. And who knows, maybe one of them or both of them gets activated off IR and that helps, although maybe a little bit too late potentially. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's to me the biggest issue with this Eagles team isn't some kind of uh like narrative thing like oh they just don't know how to win because that's stupid they just won the super bowl last year like what are you gonna say like right. oh they're they're not winning these games because they don't know how to win no that's just a a dumb trope that people throw out there and it's lazy um <laughs> to me the real reason is toxic differential which for those unfamiliar toxic differential is big play differential so you know like big plays created and big plays allowed which the Eagles think rank 19th and created and 27th and allowed, and then turnover differential, you know, takeaways and giveaways. Uh, and the Eagles are obviously they're not so bad with giveaways overall. It's not like they're giving the ball over a ton. They're not great with it. They're 18th, so kind of around average. But they're just not taking the ball away, as you said. It's, they're they're at the bottom five in the league, or so around that. So when you combine those two things together, that's the issue. Like they 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 don't they don't make big plays enough. They don't prevent big plays enough. They're not taking the ball away and they're giving it over at at a rate where, you know, again, they're not taking it away enough to to turn it over as much as they have been. So those are the issues right there. It's, it's that yeah. simple. So moving forward, what do you have to do? I mean, I think some of it's just luck. You know, obviously they were so good with takeaways last year. You're not going to sustain that year to year. But, right. you know, the drop off has been probably a little bit more than just what's natural. You know, there's been – and I don't and it's hard. Like I don't know specifically. Well,
0: take, takeaways come in bunches. Yeah. You know,
1: like what do you I mean, what do you do as a coach to be like we got to get takeaways? You know what I mean? You can't like right. coach that into existence. I mean, maybe you scheme things up a little bit better, but I mean, at some point players just have to make a play. Like you have to, you know, like some of these chances and I think maybe going back to the Vikings game, I remember a play or two where like, you know, the Eagles are are sacking cousins or they're sacking cam newton or whatever and they're hitting him from behind and i'm like how's that not a forced fumble like you know go for the ball like get the ball out there yeah and especially with these rules that you can't even hit the quarterback anyway just go for the ball like get that ball out and get that turnover because like that's what this team needs right now um and i think there's some there is some of that to jim schwartz's uh ideal scheme i think that's why he's okay with players who potentially give up those big plays because his his theory and it, it, this hasn't been working out in execution, but the theory is that, you know, he's going to have some guys who maybe give up big plays, but they're going to make some big plays, too. They're going to like those double moves that they bite on. Uh, in theory, yeah. they should be picking some of those off, too, because they're going to be yeah. aggressive and sometimes they're going to get beat. Yeah, but other times they're going re- to make the right play and they're going to time it up just right and they're going to get that turnover. Like, I think that's. Again, it hasn't worked out that way. Like it should, but I think that's the the theory and the concept behind that. So maybe it's some of that. Um, The big play thing offensively, like I just, I don't, they don't have the guy for it. I mean, uh, especially, you know, wide receiver, like we talked about, you don't have Hollins, you don't have Wallace. I don't think anyone is suddenly, you know, coming. Well,
0: Shelton Gibson can't see the field. He can't see the
1: field. And that's just, that's just dumb to me because, like, I know the coaches know more than me. Obviously, as Doug Peterson said this week, I mean, how could I know uh, until I have <laughs> right. spent 18 hours grinding the tape? But to me, there's just no good reason why Jordan Matthews should play 43% of the snaps like he did against the Panthers and didn't even get a target. And meanwhile, Shelton Gibson is playing like two or three snaps. Like like we, we can't even out that disparity a little bit. Like Shelton Gibson can't play something like 10 snaps and, and Jordan Matthews can take a little bit less like – that's that's frustrating to me. I don't. I, that doesn't solve everything. Obviously, it's not just as simple as playing Shelton Gibson more. But you'd like to see maybe something like do something different because what you're doing now clearly isn't working. And I think that's kind of just the spot they're in. I I don't I don't see what's going to change. And with the running back thing, and that's that's part of my frustration with Wendell Smallwood too. And I really don't get people standing for him like they have. Like no. Like I, I get he's averaging four point five yards per carry, which looks good on paper. But you look at some of these plays on tape and like there are, are big plays to be had here. Like, there's, there's a big running lane and he, he turns a 20-yard gain into like a five-yard gain. Like he – it's just not good enough. Like you need someone right now who can break a big play or give you some kind of explosive element in offense. And you're just not getting it. And that's why maybe the trade deadline, you know, something happens. But I don't know. And even if you do, I just – I don't think that fixes everything. So – it's just kind of the yeah. spot they're in right now like as a, as a whole they i don't think the eagles really did well as uh focusing on team speed like they just, it's just something they don't have and something that like needs to be a big priority in the offseason like making this team faster
0: Well, they they had they thought Mike Wallace would replace would be a better version of Tory mm-hmm. Smith and just obviously the injury um sidelined that and they i think they thought Mac Collins would be able to provide some of that spark as, as well and you know the injuries leave you leave you hollowed out as far as depth is concerned and you know they play a lot of two and three tight end sets too which you know when you when you play a lot of two and three tight end sets you mentioned you know that uh that Matthews sees a lot you know 40 percent of uh, the snap received some 40 some odd percent of the snaps against uh the Panthers as as a third wide receiver but you know that's still you know you could if you played and I wonder if maybe with the Jaguars um down a number of cornerbacks obviously you know jalen ramsey and alshon jeffrey is going to be a great matchup and i if i'm the if i'm jacksonville i'm i'm just having ramsey shadow alshon all over the field but that you would think would give you an advantage on the eagle side of matching up aguilar against one of those third or fourth string cornerbacks and and maybe that's the maybe this is the week you use shelton gibson or even Jordan Matthews against one of the one of their scrub cornerbacks. I know Jacksonville has a defense that's very similar to the one the Eagles play. They play back, they give their they give receivers a lot of room. They rely on pressure from the front four, which is a very good front four. But in my opinion, you know, I, I love having Ertz and Goddard on the field at the same time, but Maybe in this case, maybe you you mix it up a little bit. You do something a little bit different. Maybe you play a little bit more three, a little bit more four wide receiver. Maybe spreading the field helps get you some more running lanes too, up up the middle. Or if you're going to do some some sweeps, enough. And for me, BLG, we need to take a couple of week breaks, a couple of weeks break from the jet sweeps. Mm-hmm. I mean, enough with the. I, I get it. I I know what they're trying to do, but I think it loses its effectiveness when you do it five out of ten plays.
1: Yeah, the um, Nelson Aguilar, like, well, I, I don't know what's happening here exactly. Like, obviously, he looked great last year. I thought he looked even better in camp this year. Like, he looked spec- he specifically looked faster to me than ever before. Like, he was yeah. burning guys, and maybe that's just because the Eagles cornerbacks aren't awesome, but I don't think it was just that. Like, he was clearly, like, basically whoever was on him, no matter at any point, like, he was winning in the offseason, he looked really good. And then he had an injury in camp. And so maybe that's it. And he like never fully recovered. And he it's kind of one of those deals. But um, I just like that's a big problem right there is and I don't think it's necessarily all his fault because as we're talking about how he's being used here. But at the same time, like there has to be a certain point where, you know, he's part of the problem. Right. I mean, he can't just be like, yeah. he's this dominant player and just how the Eagles are using him is solely holding him back. Like, I can't buy that fully. Like, there has to be some level of, you know, attribution to where Aguilar, you know, deserves some kind of blame here, or at least I think. So, but whatever the case is, and and I don't even care who's to blame. That's not the point. Like, whatever the – whoever is to blame, like, who cares? Just, like, just get it fixed. Like, they have to find a way to get him going. And maybe this week is the week because, as I said, the the – Jaguars are going to be without DJ Hayden, potentially, it looks like he's traveling with the team, so we'll see, but he hasn't practiced and he's been out for a couple of weeks. And then his backup, Tyler Patman, did not travel. So they could potentially be on their third string slot option, which I think would be rookie safety Ronnie Harrison. So uh and he's looked okay at times this year, but I mean that's something you want to test. Like test him out of the yeah. gate. Like get yeah. force yeah. feed a couple of targets to Nelson not as jet sweeps and screens and stuff like that, like have him run over the middle of the field (laughs) or or actually maybe get vertical even at some point, because outside of like those plays in the Giants game, which were kind of a little bit fluky, like they weren't in the structure of the offense there. I mean, the one was, you know, like that, that ball that pretty much, uh, should have been picked off and it was almost like Nelson picked it off. Uh, and then the other one was where, you know, uh, It was a Carson was rolling out, and the play was designed to go to one of the options that was in front of him, and they were all just covered. So Nelson Aguilar broke off his route, and you know they timed it up well, and he got open. And to his credit, he did that. He he deserves credit for it. I'm not saying he doesn't, but it's just not something you can consistently rely on because it's just not in the structure of the offense. So I'd love to see the Eagles find a way to kind of get him more involved because I think that's one of the things. This like. We're talking about where can the Eagles find these explosive plays. Well, I think it could be Nelson Aguilar because he has he has that run after the catch yeah. ability. Like I know we yep. saw it last year. Like he has some of that ability there. He's not going to be your your pure deep threat burner guy. I just don't think he's that kind of player. But I mean, if you're looking for something to change offensively, I think it's to find a way to get him more involved.
0: Yeah, stop treating him like a running back. You know, I know that I know that, yeah. you need, I, I know that the, the Eagles running back situation is not great, but treat him like a wide receiver and that might help. And we haven't talked I about mean, geez, We're we're like 45 50 minutes into this podcast and we haven't once mentioned the name Carson Wentz, who, you know, it's kind of <laughs> funny. He's been a big he's been a big talking point. And we're going to get to the defense here in just a second, but Wentz on the season, if you look at the numbers, they're incredible. 108.1 rating, 7th best in the NFL. He's got a 70.8% completion percentage. Uh, has 1,502 yards and a touchdown-to-interception ratio of 10 to one. He's averaging 300 yards passing per game, but again, the the points aren't going up there. And We mentioned that the fa- the fact that he's had to go on long fields. Um, they've had some missed field goals uh, by Jake Elliott, who, by the way, I, you know, we we don't talk enough about Jake Elliott and you know, kind of the bloom coming off of his rose. But you know, I think that's a league-wide issue right now with kickers. So I think the Eagles just have to swallow whatever Jake Elliott's going to give them at this point. But getting back to Carson Wentz, you know, a lot of the narrative was, well, he had a chance to win the game at the end uh, in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. And it was not a good series for for Carson Wentz on those on those final four downs. Obviously, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, film on online about what it is he might have been seeing on that third down play where he didn't go to uh, Wendell Smallwood, where he would have had a short first down. And on the fourth down play, when he eventually fumbled the ball, how... Aguilar broke open late and was wide open in the middle of the field on that fourth down, and he just as he's, he's about to throw it, he gets hit and mm-hmm. fumbles. So, I mean, again, a little bit more of the luck that you were talking about, but that's also pocket awareness on the part of Carson Wentz. We haven't seen him win a game like that in that kind of situation before. We've seen him do we've seen him win games where he puts his team ahead in the fourth quarter, but we haven't seen a game like that where you know, it's the last 30 seconds of a game. You're down. You have to score a touchdown and Carson gets him into the end zone to win. But I think this is part of him learning how to do that, right? BLG. I mean, this is, I really hope that he stops trying as I like how Ben put it, play hero ball Mm -hmm. and just take what they give you in those situations and, and, and not try to force it because I think he's overcompensating for the fact that they haven't been doing enough points wise and, and getting big plays down the field.
1: Yeah, and I think when you look at his record in those close games and those situations, it's not great obviously, but I think some of that's a little skewed because a lot of those games came in his rookie season, you know, and and right. the, the, he was a rookie first of all. And then the, the, and the talent around worse. him Yeah, the team, the the skill players and everything around him, I mean, they weren't even NFL players. Like, you know, Jordan Matthews was your best option. DGB was your second best option. Oh, my gosh. Josh Huff was there at one point. Like, these guys aren't even in the league anymore, basically. I mean, Jordan Matthews is barely in the league. Like, He wasn't even in the league for a little bit until the Eagles signed him. So, uh, like, I can't – like, I think the the record looks a little worse just because of that specifically. But as a whole, it's a valid point, you know, and a valid criticism – and a critique to say, you know, he needs to be better in those situations. I think it's very premature and very uh, hot takey to say, like, he can't be good at that. Like, it's, he's it's, it's not even two and a half seasons into his career yet. Like, he's right. almost there, but it's not even fully there yet. So, uh, it's definitely an area he needs to improve. I think you could look at it as he is pressing a little too much for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, how could I pretend like, how could I possibly think that? Like he's just doomed, or to, like he can't get better in those situations. Right. Like, just everything we know about him his mental makeup, uh, you know, his toughness, his skill like, like just how good he was in that game up until that point. Like, he was awesome. Yeah, so, I, I like there's nothing to me that just says, like, oh, two, less than two minutes left, he's just gonna mess it up. Like, I, I just, you know, it doesn't, it's not gonna, it's not how I'm thinking about it. Um, he definitely needs to get better. I'm not disputing that, and yeah. I think he will, I think we will yeah. see that over the course of time. Uh, it's just it's tough, you know, it's a tough situation. And I I just think in in general the theory of clutch gets like overrated. It's it's certainly I think very overplayed. We saw this with LeBron a lot, especially earlier in his career. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not clutch. Well, I mean, like it's just it's dumb. Like, and and to me, clutch is so subjective. Like, I, so a guy who you know goes like forty, like let's say LeBron scored like you know a hundred points in the game, but he missed the game winning shot. So is he not clutch, even right. though he scored, like, 100 points? Like, that doesn't right. make sense to me. Like, like just the timing of things there, uh, like, that gets kind of overplayed. Like, like it, missing, you know, the one shot at the end of the game, like, that just – and it does for people. Like, it, it, it invalidates the rest of the performance, which is so dumb and silly to me because it, yeah. it just doesn't account for everything. Like, Carson was so good in that game up until that point. And I'm not saying you just ignore – the the end thing either i'm not saying it works the other way but it just it kind of just seems to skew things the the whole clutch factor so i know well, that has I mean, been a big topic
0: he was on his way i mean he he had led the team to what was their record when when he when he left when he was out went out last year i mean i think what were they 12 and 11 and 2 i think when he went out or 12 and 2 i I'm, I'm uh yeah so the, yes yeah, so they played so. the
1: giants the raiders and the uh, Cowboys after they, that. They play the Cowboys. Yeah. So they
0: finished, yeah, 13th. So they would have been 11 and 11 and two at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's the thing. He went 11 and two without having to do that because they were so good early in the game. But I will say, I, I mean, and I, t- I'll talk about this in all sports. I've talked about this on the baseball podcasts. I do. And you know, and, and you talk about it in basketball. I do think there are players who perform better than others. And players sure. perform worse than others in clutch situations players were able to focus more calm yeah. themselves down I mean there's there's a reason Joe Montana did what he did you know with fourth quarter comebacks and Tom Brady is able to do uh what he's what he's been able to do and absolutely there are, there are some players who can do that but again I do think that's I think that's a skill you also have to learn and you have to get comfortable and I certainly don't think it's out of Carson's DNA to learn how to do that. He did um, it in
1: college. He had some big games sure, like where course. he came from. I think in one of the championship games they won, like he had this big drive at the end of the game to bring them back into the game. Right. <laughs> like, well, there you go. It's yeah, how he's I mean, never done it.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, everybody worrying about that, I don't think you have anything to worry about. And I, I think you know. Well, we're looking at this game, a lot of times we look at these games, BLG, when we're looking around the league and we look at the quarterback matchup. And when you look at the quarterback matchup here, you look at Carson Wentz versus Blake Bortles, who was benched last week against the Texans, who went 6-for-12 six for 61 yards in a 20-7 to seven loss, who has nine touchdowns and eight interceptions on the season, an 80.3 quarterback rating. We know his history is that he's a bad quarterback. And I know in London he becomes Super Blake, and I don't understand what that's all about. I know the Eagles' defense has had their issues with with some quarterbacks with with some interesting numbers. I mean, Marcus Mariota had the game of his life against the against the uh. Eagles' defense. But you know, I, I'm as when when we're talking about Blake Bortles here, we were talking about turnovers, and the Eagles need to turn. You could not ask for a better quarterback to face if you want to get some turnovers and get yourself some short fields to help Carson Wentz out. I'm looking at this game, and I'm looking at the quarterback matchup. This is a game the Eagles should win because Carson versus Blake. The Eagles' defense should be able to handle this this Jacksonville offense with T.J. Yeldon and Carlos Hyde at running back, Marquise Lee, Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook at wide receiver. These are not all pros, B.L.G. This is a game that this team, this defense, should be able to hold down this offense again.
1: They should. They also should have been able to do that against the Titans, and they didn't. Exactly so, right. Yeah. So that's yep. the. That's the like the big thing for this week, and we'll get into it more at the pick. But like in making my prediction for this game, I, I I can't trust the Eagles right now. Like, how could you? We just watched yeah. them blow a seventeen point lead after they had already blown a lead earlier this season. So it's not even like they had this one game where they blew it, and it, it's a teaching point moving forward. Like, no, like that didn't happen. So, but at the same time, and I know Bortles plays well in London, like. How can I take him over Carson Wentz? Like, Carson has been so good. And it really just makes no sense that Carson has been as good as he has and the rest of the team is not having success overall. Like, that right. doesn't – like, if if anyone told you that Carson would have the stats that he does right now, which are better in some ways than where, where he was last year, like, yeah. the start to last season, yeah. that the Eagles would have the record they did. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, uh that's frustrating. Uh, I I still feel really good about Carson, even though you know coming off of that game. Uh, And I still feel really bad about Blake Bortles because I think he sucks. And I think, I mean, they even (laughs) said, well, they didn't say, but Adam Schefter said that he's going to be on a short leash. So he might even last the whole game because he might throw a couple of turnovers and they might bring Cody Kessler in. And if they lose to Cody Kessler, I mean, just honestly, just like, Fold the season. Sell at that everything. Point. Yeah, Sell like, everything. Well, you, like, yeah. There's no. There's like there can be no after the pre- after the game. There can't be any. Well, Cody Kessler gets paid too. Like no, no. Yeah. Like, that, that's unacceptable <laughs> right. at that point. Like that, yeah. that would be so weak and so terrible if Doug or, or Jim Schwartz did that. Like no, he does not get paid too. Like that's not no. That that's not acceptable. So, uh, it would be so. It would be such the way this season has gone. For Bortles to have this magical game. But um, with the Jaguars having these offensive line issues and just the offense kind of being out of sorts here in general and with them just loving to run the ball so much, kind of you know plays into the Eagles' hand there because yeah. uh, I think they should be able to stop Carlos Hyde um, for the most part. Uh, in that vein, I feel good about it. But as a whole, it's just – I don't know, yeah. John. Like uh, It's hard to talk about this team logically like because we, we, we're we getting into the matchup here it's like well yeah they should be able to do this but then you know it just doesn't turn out to be that way so like, i don't even know how to be like well you know they have this advantage and this advantage like yeah they do on paper but then it doesn't right. end up that way on sunday so like we're, we're, we're just saying words and they're useless
0: <laughs> yeah well we'll we'll say some more words when we make our official picks here in just a second first uh, let's um, let's run down our, our, our non-Eagles-Jaguars picks. And normally we, we pick uh, the NFC East games, but um, with uh, Dallas on the bye and you've got Washington at the New York Giants, we only have one NFC East game to go over. So uh, we'll run down a, a couple of the other marquee NFL games too here. But looking at Washington at the Giants-BLG, uh, Washington going to New Jersey uh, to take on a Giants team, which again is just terrible, and it's a pick and I think I've seen in some places like Washington maybe is a one-point favorite, which is essentially a pick'em. Wait, I mean, what? Yeah. It's crazy. If <laughs>
1: Vegas Wait, is begging
0: for people to take – to put money on that Washington. I don't understand fishy,
1: it. fishy line. What is happening? Right. Where is this money coming from? Like who is – are people like heavily – what is that? I, I, I'm looking at this and I can't believe that. <laughs> I don't –
0: I mean, I'm not making it up, am I? I I'm, no, I, mean, I like just it's, it's, I'm looking at it. Yeah. It doesn't.
1: Who is so? Who's putting all this money on the Giants? Like, where like, is the public? Like that dumb? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't it's, know, it's, but that's that doesn't. Like, I'm looking at it, so I know you're not lying to me. But it's just yeah. uh, how how is that game a pick'em? Washington is four and two. They're at the top of the division. I don't think they've looked awesome. I don't think they're a juggernaut, but they they're clearly like at least a a solid football team at yeah. worst. And I mean, the Giants are horrible. Like they're, yeah. they're. T- I know they. Whatever they played, the Falcons a little bit closer. But like the Falcons aren't great either. So right. I don't know, man. I think I think that's like an easy Washington it's line, right? Really there.
0: easy. It's really easy. Washington should be a three point road favorite. <laughs>
1: what is that? I can't believe I, that.
0: I, and I this lane, ha- this line has to move. It has to move.
1: Yeah, Sunday. I mean the sharps are going to come in late on that, and that's going to yeah. like by by like Sunday morning. I'm going to check up on that again. It'll be like yeah, it'll be like. Uh, well, <laughs> for said, now, the three points
0: for, for now blg and i are both taking washington this is pretty yeah. easy and even if it was a three-point line i'm still taking washington it'd be great if the giants yeah.
1: won somehow i mean that'd be awesome oh
0: yeah we're, but, we're rooting for you eli yeah do what you got to do buddy i mean saquon please um we're also going to look at this uh green bay at la rams game I, I think you know we looked at that washington line as a pick them the rams are great no doubt about it blg but Ten point favorites Ooh. against Aaron Rodgers? Even at home? That seems high to me too.
1: Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Oh, I didn't man, I, mean, I, I would This is it a close game. Roster. Yeah. That's that these lines are really surprising me here. Um yeah, I just think like if anyone can knock off this Rams team, it's Aaron Rodgers. I right. know the Packers aren't great as a whole, but like that's what Aaron Rodgers does. He comes out here and against all odds and against a team that's clearly better on paper, like he's mm-hmm. going to get that win, or at the very yeah. least, I think he's going to keep it to a one-possession game. Like yeah, freaking ten and a half points in some places here—that's crazy. I'm taking yeah, give me the points. Come on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, and Rodgers likes to come up in big games like this against against big teams and and show up and and shove. You know, so I. Yeah, I think this is a, I think this is a seven point game, six point game. I'm taking Green Bay on this one too. Uh and then you've got New Orleans at Minnesota. Minnesota uh in uh, the Vikings in Minnesota a one point favorite uh against New Orleans. Uh what do you think about this one?
1: I know the Vikings have won a couple games here, but they're not against the most impressive teams. And obviously <laughs> I'm throwing the Eagles on that bunch. They've yeah, beaten right. uh, <laughs> the Eagles, they've beaten the Cardinals and uh they beat the Jets. Uh I'm not like in on them once again um the saints should have beaten them last year and i'm sure they're going to want revenge for the minnesota miracle there uh i and yeah with this game being a pickem i mean gee uh i usually lean with the home team in a situation like this but i just think the saints are really really good and i'm just not all in on the vikings so i'll take the saints especially you know if this line swings somehow and they're getting points but for now it's a pickem and i'll just take the saints
0: I'll take Minnesota. Okay. I I'm I'm going to take Kirk Cousins oh, and you, you know, you course. know my love for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> no, I I think I think Minnesota is starting to play a little bit better. I I still don't love New Orleans' defense. Obviously the offense is is something else, but uh, I think Minnesota has the offensive talent to stay with New Orleans point for point point. and uh yeah, I'll take the home team here, uh favored by just one. So I'll go with I'll go with the Vikings on this one. Okay. All right, so finally it comes down to Eagles versus Jaguars. And I finally got a game right last week, BLG. I'm now 1-6 in picking Eagles games. And unfortunately, hmm. it's kind of funny. When I was talking about the game, you asked me, because I was just joking around. I was like, yeah, the Eagles are going to lose 35-20. But I, <laughs> I honestly felt they were going to win my heart of hearts. I actually felt they were going to win. But you asked me, like, if they're going to lose, how are they going to lose this game? Like, really seriously. And I thought, well, you know, Cam Newton runs around, makes some plays. And the words, I actually said the words, if they lose this game, it'll kind of be like the Titans game. Uh. Where, you know, and damned it, I mean, I was kicking myself. I'm watching the game, like, I wasn't even serious when I said it. (laughs) And damned if it didn't happen exactly that way. Like, you know, the way the Eagles lost that game on Sunday, with Cam Newton running around, making plays at the end of the ball game and the defense not able to stop an offense that had been struggling through different parts of the year was really uneven. And so, unfortunately, I got a game right last week. I'm going to let you start here. Eagles versus Jaguars. Eagles, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, although both teams are technically, you know, both teams are all on the road playing in London. Uh, but it's a considered a home game for the Jaguars. Who you got? Eagles, Jags.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to basically repeat what I said earlier in that I just – I don't feel good about the Eagles right now. And I'm very tempted to pick against them. But I just – like I can't because I I think about – this team has Carson Wentz still. And Carson Wentz is still very, very good. And even though Doug Peterson, you know, might not have as much faith in him as we did coming into this season, I still feel good about him overall. And I think – um, despite the Jacksonville having experience playing in London factor and all of that, uh, and in spite of Doug Peterson throwing shade at Doug Marone in his book and <laughs> Malcolm Jenkins uh, kind of calling out Blake Bortles as I'm saying all this stuff, I'm feeling even uneasier. But uh, I think I'm going to take Jacksonville to cover. I think it'll be a close. I'm going to say it's a close Eagles win, twenty to nineteen. And do I feel mm-hmm. good about that pick? No, <laughs> I don't feel good, but uh, that's what it's going to yeah.
0: be. All right, I'm going to take. I'm going to go. I'm
1: with you, man.
0: <laughs> I, I, I because in my in my dream, they should be able head, to beat I them. Have, they should. They be should able be to able beat. to beat this team. They should. Carson Wentz versus Blake Bortles. I mean, if I was not an Eagles fan and looking at this game objectively. I'd take the Eagles in a second. I'd look at the Eagles and I'd say three and four. This is a team that's better than the record indicates. They really should be five and two, if not for a couple of mistakes here and there against some weaker opponents. This is a team that still has a lot of talent despite all of the injuries. They've got Carson Wentz, who is playing well. And I do think in this game, BLG, the reason I'm going to take the Eagles is I do think they finally get on the good side of the turnovers. I think they finally get some turnovers here from Blake, from Blake. I think Blake throws him a couple. I think maybe he fumbles one, or I think one of the running backs fumble one. Maybe the Eagles get a special teams play that helps them get a short field. I think I, I see in this game, I can see a scenario where Blake Bortles does them in like, Mar, like Marcus Mariota does, but I think we're more likely to see Bortles turn it over a couple times. I do think you'll see Cody Kessler in this game, and I think you'll see Carson Wentz finally get some short fields to work with. I don't think they'll turn necessarily—the the Jaguars' defense is very good at keeping teams out of the end zone and making you kick field goals, very much like the Eagles' defense typically has been able to do. So I think this is going to be a pretty big field goal game. I'm going to say 16-13 Eagles. Okay. I uh,
1: I like the turnover theory. I think that's a good reason to, to pick. I think they're due for some progression to the mean there, some positive yeah. regression, if you will.
0: I really believe it comes in waves. I really believe yeah. that's how it works with the turnovers. Yeah. You see it a lot. so. Yeah. Well, BLG, this is a game they got to have. And I also just can't see them falling to 3 and 5 because <laughs> they fall to 3 and 5, the, this this season's over before it really even gets started. Yeah. You go into you, you go into the buy knowing you're you're pretty much toast and yeah. I think you're looking to sell some pieces that you don't think you're going to want long term. So Hopefully not. Um, hopefully it doesn't end. Hopefully like that. not. That's why I'm going to keep the good thought and uh we're going to we're going to hope we see an Eagles team come out of London at 4-4 four four, heading into the bye week, maybe looking to add some pieces from the trade deadline and get healthier. Get a couple weeks for guys to get a little bit healthier. And that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, checking us out. Once again, follow Brandon on Twitter, at Brandon Galton, and you can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Remember, early start time on Sunday for this game. 9 30 a.m so have some breakfast with the birds and uh, once again make sure to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day for the latest eagles news there thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you all next time right here on bgn radio that doesn't make sense hey everybody how you doing Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of fun and games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation
1: podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-Flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite
0: sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers.